Welcome to Why Sew, the podcast where some of your favorite sewing personalities and rising stars share what motivates them to create using needle and thread. I'm your host, Jason Prater, and with me today is Desiree Havoc of Desiree's Designs. I'm really excited to get to speak with her about why she sews. Welcome to Why Sew, Desiree. Thanks, Jason, for having me. Yeah, I mean, like it seems like uh, I can't remember the last time we actually spoke, but it's been a little while, right? It's been a little bit, yeah, with all the crazy going on. So uh, this is a really nice relief today. Yeah, well, hey, you know, before we get going here, I mean, I'm sure a lot of our listeners know who you are. We've done a lot of events together and and other things, but maybe you can tell our our folks a little bit about yourself. I mean, do you consider yourself a sewist, a seamstress, tailor, embroiderer, crafter, quilter? Tell us a little bit about Desiree and, and, and what you do in terms of sewing. In terms of sewing, okay, so I think I consider myself a creative. So that's a new word for you. I hate to get in a box. And I started as a fine artist and I worked in the interior design industry. I did uh, fine art shows. I do watercolors and pastels. And then I used to, our family was in interior design. So we did everything from high-end homes in Hawaii all the way to model homes here. And I would fly all over and do kids rooms and murals and all the fun stuff. So that's how that that is my profession forever, ever since I can remember being a little girl. And my mom would give me the cardboard out of her pantyhose container. And I (laughs) used that to draw and I would make cards for people. And yeah, so it started at a young, young age. My love to for art and being creative. Yeah, a lot of a lot of folks that I talked to on the podcast started similarly, right, with artwork of some other on some other medium before they started sewing. So uh, that's that's sort of a common thing. Not 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 all, but but some, of course. So how how did you actually get started sewing then? Like, what's your first memory of of using needle and thread? Well, you know, I love. I've always loved even my very first memory. That's funny that you say that because it popped right into my head. My very first encounter with handwork, because I love handwork to this day, I was in Girl Scouts and my girlfriend's mom was the leader and she taught us how to do needlepoint and cruel. And so I started doing needlepoint and cruel and just loved doing handwork. So I made, you know, being young, maybe elementary school, I used to make pillows and, and that was my first exposure I think my mom sewed and made me a quilt when I was very young but I wasn't a part of it Mm. and I didn't have a grandma so it wasn't like I was exposed to it that way so I think for her that was my first exposure to needle and thread kind of things and it kind of blossomed from there for me it was kind of like art in touchable form, which is really a fun way to look at it because you can still be so creative with fiber and fabric and needle and thread, and you can create these wonderful art pieces that you can touch. Absolutely. So, so this was an elementary school. So did you start doing it a lot, like a hobby at that point? Were you, I've I've, I've asked this to so many others, I mean, I had to think your your friends weren't necessarily into sewing 
you know, so were you, I mean, were you doing a lot of it? And what did your friends think about that? You know, when we're kids, we do a lot of everything. So I did when I was at home and, you know, we don't sit still a lot when we're kids. So <laughs> sewing doesn't really lend itself to that. I think as we get older, it lends itself to it better. But so, you know, I had horses, I used to ride horses and I would paint and then I would sit at night if I was watching TV and do needlepoint or cruel. And I was always trying to get the next badge. Right. So for Girl Scouts. Ah, <laughs> so it was a, so it was it was a competition a thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's all very competitive and I'm always out for the prize. Right. That's awesome. <laughs> Good old Girl Scouts. They're good for a lot of stuff. That's man. right. That's Those right. embroidered pat- patches. And it's, when I look back now, I go back and look at those badges that we worked so hard for. Somebody embroidered those. So it's really kind of a full circle kind of thing, isn't it? That, that is fantastic. So you're in the Girl Scouts. You're doing this hand embroidery and cruel work. I mean, how did you go from that to then using a sewing machine? And, and did you ever have like a teacher or somebody that kind of put you under their wing and said, here's what you need to do and how you need to do it. I mean, obviously you sew a lot of different things now and uh, using machines and I'm sure also still by hand some, but how did you go from that as a Girl Scout to a more advanced sewing and and, and when did that occur? So I think for me, I am thinking back, boy, this is having to go back a little bit here. I, when I started having kids and I was at home raising my children and I wanted to start sewing again because it was a something I could do. I was painting a lot and doing all that, but there was something I could do. And I would, so I was making some of their clothes, you know, which they absolutely hated because <laughs> they wanted the name brand, right? <clears throat> but I loved it. And when the kids were really young, you know, I can remember hand tufting like a little dress for my daughter who then proceeded to jump on the big wheel and tear it. So all that work, you know, what we put into those cute little kids when they're little, but um, I sewed a lot and, and I was self-taught. So I really didn't have anybody to um, teach me. I didn't really know a lot about different fabrics. So it was, it was really a, slow way to get about sewing because I had to learn everything. And unfortunately and for, and for me in high school and junior high, we did still have home ec classes. Right, right. So we learned to sew there. And so I learned the basic, how to use the sewing machine, some of the basic things. We got to do a fashion show when we were we sewed our first dress. And, and so one of the things that's really funny is I hate mending, but I love doing handwork. So it's kind of, you know, that's a weird thing, but I don't like mending. But people, when they find out you quilt or you sew clothes, they just assume you don't mind mending. Everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah you, you become like the family doctor, right? Hey, can you look at this? Can you look at this spot on my skin here? <laughs> no, I, no, I do this for fun. <laughs> my grandkids bring me all their dog toys because the dogs have torn them and they said, well, Nana can fix it because she sews. And so I, yeah. So I spent a lot of time doing that. I love it. (laughs) Too funny. So what what kind of things do you like to sew? I mean, if I know, obviously you have a business in sewing, but if you're doing something for yourself, what, what are the things that you enjoy doing? Wow. That has really morphed throughout the years. You know, for me, 
I love the creative process. So for me, wherever I am today, I'm happy in that place. So it's not like I'm saying, well, I'm doing this, but I really wish I could do that because really I can do whatever I want to do. I I can stop one project and start another. For me personally, it's interesting because when I learned to quilt, I think I realized early on that I really preferred applique over piecing just because Mm. I, being more of an artistic soul, I wasn't into precision so much. I'm more into how things look and telling a story and getting a part across something like that versus making sure my points all line up and being real fastidious about my sewing skills. All the and, math and stuff you got to oh, do. And, you know, math. Oh, math is challenging. <laughs> so I will say, though, that I do love to attempt it. I'm not, let's say, I, I do design piece patterns and stuff, but I don't do a lot. I love to try English paper pieces I've done some small things. Yeah, I've done those. For me, I love my art quilts. My art quilts are different than anything I do commercially, like for my business. My art quilts, I was showing those and I got to tell my story through my art quilts, just like I did through my art. So it was a really great way to feel like I was getting my story out and not just doing it to make a pattern, you know. I don't really usually do any patterns or anything with my art quilt. So I like all that. And I like the design part of it. I like the figuring out what looks good. And I trimmed myself right out of a show (laughs) just because I didn't read all the rules all the way through my one of my first art quilt shows. And I kept saying, you know, it needs to be trimmed a little bit more and trimmed myself right out of that show. Oh, my God. um, The quilt went on to win a lot of awards, but it didn't go to that show. (laughs) That's fantastic. So art quilts, I love it. So I, I, I love to ask this question. You know, most sewist quilters, uh, embroiders that I know love giving sewn gifts for all different occasions. Do you give out sewn handmade items to people and as gifts? And, and if you do, can you remember one that just holds some kind of special meaning or, or some time that you've given a gift that was well received? I have always given lots of hand made things because for me personally, when somebody has given you their time to sit and make something for you, there is nothing more precious than time right now for us in our crazy world. Boy, so, say that again. Yeah. And so when somebody gives me something that they've made, I treasure that item because not only do I think about it, the person, when I see the item, it reminds me of them. Like I have a whole box of handmade ornaments from my girlfriends and every Christmas as I'm setting up my tree, I'm thinking about the person who gave me that ornament every single time. And it's just a really nice way to remember things. But I do give out a lot of handmade things. And, you know, all my grandkids, all my kids have my quilts. So there's a lot of really special memories that go along with those. And we do a lot of philanthropy kind of things at Desiree's Design. So we have a Stuffed with Love Christmas stocking that we give out to needy kids in our areas. And Mm. so So the women will fill the stockings, make them, fill them and send them. And that means a lot. We've been doing that for several years. 
And I put together a couple quilts where all the women made blocks. We put the quilt together and then we donated to an abuse shelter um, for a family that was displaced during the holidays and given it and give it to the family and their kids. And then again, I've been with a wonderful group of quilting women who, when somebody got really sick, we all made blocks and sent blocks to make a quilt and sent notes on our blocks. And someone out of love puts those quilts together and quilts them and gives it to that person who's sick. And I've done that several times for for women. And those are priceless gifts. Those are priceless gifts. And yeah, it's like spreading love around. And I I, I do do a lot of that. That is fantastic. Another sort of recurring theme. I I tell people this all the time that I work in one of the greatest industries and, and not just for the people within the industry, but our consumer base. I just really don't think that there is a more giving, better group of people than those that call sewing, quilting, embroidering their hobby. I just, I just don't believe it. I think that those are the best people out there. Yeah, I agree. I I, I can't think of another hobby or another business where so many people do so much good for others. I just can't, you know, using their hobby, using their hands, using their craft. Right. I love that. And, And giving it away allows us to go buy more fabric. And we're all about that. Exactly. <laughs> yes. More philanthropy. Keep doing it. Yes. Buy more thread. Buy more fabric. <laughs> I love it. It's always a self-serving side, right? <laughs> but I, I do love that part of it. And, you know, all, and I've taught all my grandkids how to sew. So they all do that and how to give away. And so that's all part of the lesson, I think. And I think when people do this kind of a hobby or, you know, quilting, anything with their hands that they're making from their heart, they appreciate those gifts more often. Oh yeah, for sure. You know, they're the ones that really appreciate it most because they know what goes into making them. Absolutely. So when you're sewing, what, what are some of your favorite things like, you know, nifty gadgets, you know, notion tool type things that are just like a must for Desiree. Like I have to have my X. Oh, wow. That like really just depends on what I'm doing, but you know, we're doing a lot of embroidery right now. Our demographic, our customers are getting a lot of these embroidery machines. We love doing embroidery. And so I, I think this is going to sound funny. I want to know if you've had this answer before, because you probably have had a whole whole range of answers, but a lint roller is my number one go-to tool. That's awesome. (laughs) Because Randy says, I look like a lint roller every time I'm in the studio. Everything seems to stick. You are the human lint roller. Yes, that's right. (laughs) And so I have them everywhere in my studio. I like my Frixon pens that write and then disappear with the heat of the iron. Um, I love those for marking things. And I love silky thread. I love silky rayon thread. It's like painting with threads for me. (laughs) And, And we love to have lots of thread. So it's almost become an obsession like fabric 
collecting different threads. Oh, thank you. Yeah. And so those are some of the go-tos. I love, I have a true cut cutter. I don't know if you're familiar with that. I am from the Grace Company. Yeah. Yes. From the Grace Company. I love their rulers and their cutters because they have a track on them. And as you put that rotary cutter down, I mean, how many times have we all gone off the line or whatever? And that just helps keep us straight. And my cuts are true. And when you cut as much fabric as we do, you know, every time I mess up, I have to re-straighten the line. So it's just been a really great tool. I love that, that rotary cutter. And so, and my girlfriend I had working here, she actually cut her finger because the rotary blade came off and jumped up onto the. Oh man. And so I said it was because she wasn't using that true cut. That would have never. <laughs> so, awesome. um, yeah. And, so that's and, some of them. and the guys at the grace company are just good people. So they are, they're really wonderful. I love it. Yeah. I get so many answers when I ask that question. And usually it's so funny. People like to point out the kind of obscure thing first, right? I've had people tell me they they're spatula. And I, I, oh. can't even, I can't even remember how she uses this thing, but probably she uses- when she's sewing, unlike yeah. embroidering, so it doesn't get through her finger because yep. yep. we so- all belong to that club, right? Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> I mean, so I've, I've had people tell me all sorts of stuff. So I, I love asking that question and some of the answers I get. And uh, I know it's relatable to our customers for sure. You'll be able to write a book, Jason. <laughs> yeah. The top. Yeah, that'll be great. Hey, that's a great idea for like a blog post, right? Yeah. What the top, a great thing, the top answers for your, yeah. yeah. Let's see, what will we call that? Top most <laughs> unlikely sewing tools <laughs> that you can't live without. <laughs> that's oh. awesome. That's great. So uh, switch gears on you here. Uh, you know, so that's a lot about how you personally started sewing and the kinds of stuff that you like to do. But I'm curious, I mean, obviously you have a successful sewing business, a business that's all about sewing design and patterns and things of that nature. I know you have a a unique story and and I, I usually ask this in a little different form, but, you know, about how sewing has provided you an opportunity or or enriched your life in some way. And I know your story um, and how you got into the business of sewing is sort of, you know, started with a little bit of tragedy in your life. Can you tell us about that and, and how sewing got you through that and helped you, gave you some opportunity that you wouldn't have had otherwise at that time? I would love to. It's really a special story. And when I do talks for guilds and things, I often share it just so a lot of times, especially right now, a lot of people are going through a lot of hard times. And so it really resonates with people who are going through something pretty tough to know that there is a bright side on the other side. So I was in full swing with my art career. I was flying all over the country painting. I was doing fine art shows. My husband and I had been married almost 20 years, and he married me with three children under five. Oh, wow. So we were looking, I know, he, and he was like such a God bachelor. bless that man. I know, he's, he's a saint, I'm telling you right now. <clears throat> Excuse me. So we had been married almost 20 years. We were planning our 20 20th wedding anniversary. We were going to go to Italy because we hadn't been on a vacation since we had gotten married. And... <clears throat> 
the youngest three had were moved out and our youngest together was living at home still. She was a full-time college student. And we were really excited about this. So I had my dream job. I was flying all over doing all these murals and everything. And then uh, Randy had his own business and we had met down at Dog Beach in Huntington Beach to for my grandson's sixth birthday. I'll never forget this. It was July 9th, 2000. And we have four children. And uh, we were meeting down there because my grandson was turning six and he had his dog. And my third child, Jennifer, she worked at the Humane Society. So she rescued dogs from the the pound and then took them to a no-kill shelter. She lived out in the country. She had 26 kennels and she would take the dogs and socialize them and then get them ready for adoption. So Mikey wanted Aunt Jinjin to come and bring some of her dogs because Aunt Jinjin always had a ton of dogs, right? right? So we were all down there celebrating his birthday and on the way home from that event, on July 9th, Jennifer was hit by a drunk driver. Oh my gosh. And our lives will forever be changed because of that single event. And her life was forever changed. <clears throat> it took them a long time to notify us because they lost her ID on the way to the hospital. But oh we finally God. got there. And, you know, the, her prognosis was not good. She was hit head on and they told us she was probably not going to live. So for the first few months, all of her friends, all of the family were in the waiting room of the ICU unit. She was in a coma. She ended up being in a coma for six months and she had several different kinds of traumatic brain injury. She ended up losing her leg. She's legally blind. And they kept telling us, we just really aren't sure what's going to happen with her. You know, you probably, oh, if she Lord. does survive, you're probably going to have to put her in a home. And But I really refused to do that because I just <clears throat> knew that I just knew she needed to be with family. So after uh, six months, she started to wake up from her coma. And six months. Wow. Yeah. So she was, she was in a coma for five and a half months. She started to wake up from her coma and we didn't know, they kept saying, we won't know like how bad her brain injury is. You know, if she can see, she had to have a, her leg amputated. She didn't even know as she's waking up that she's missing a leg. So there was just so much trauma during that whole year in the hospital. Mm-hmm. And we ended up taking her home and I started caregiving for her and the prognosis for her was really bad. They said being in a coma that long, she wouldn't have any memories of you. She's not going to know who you are. She won't remember her life. You know, you should put her in a facility, but we took her home and we used to, she used to do a TV show where she adopted animals. The cable TV network put all of her segments together and we would play that for her when she was in her coma. So she would remember her life and want to come back to it. But the good news and all that, trauma was that God gave us little nuggets to hang on to that, not to give up, not to give up hope. And, and uh, we just really believed that he had something bigger planned for her. So she ended up completely cognitive. I mean, she's, She's amazing. She she's legally blind. Uh, She doesn't have a spinal cord injury, but she was unable to she's unable to walk because of her brain injury. She has no balance. And so she's in a wheelchair 
And she has learned Morse code. So she's on Facebook. She has her own book clubs going. She's written her blog and told her story. She, we would go to high schools and tell her story to prevent the kids from drinking and driving. We did the every, uh, um, every 15 minute program with Mothers Against Drunk Driving for years and years and years. And wow. So in the interim of me learning how to, okay, so I'm this creative person that's traveling all the time and we're getting ready for our you know trip to Italy for our 20th wedding anniversary and all that got stopped but the real amazing thing about this is that there's always hope and being a creative it allowed me the opportunity to do some other things and at the time I was going through this I was not really feeling like painting I just was so Mm. It was a job and I loved it, but I just didn't feel like painting. And so when we brought Jennifer home, Randy said to me, you know, you, you need to do something because you you become very isolated as a caregiver. You're just Mm -hmm. really isolated. Everybody's moving at the same speed and we know how fast we move and you have been reduced to this slow speed and nobody really can wait for you anymore. And so you become very isolated. So what happened was I was watching TV and I was watching Simply Quilts Mm. and I was thinking, I know how to sew. I should be able to do a quilt. And so uh, Randy said, oh, that would be a perfect thing for you to do. I'll stay with Jen and you need to find uh, some kind of quilt class. And so you can learn how to do this. And that's what started it. And it's funny because I didn't even know at that time that there was such thing as a quilt shop. I I had no (laughs) idea. I mean, that's how ignorant I was. I was like... I had no idea. And so what happened was I joined a block of the, it was kind of like we were making different piece blocks. This is where I found out I'm not a piecer. I don't like to piece. (laughs) Discovered that early. eh? And what's really funny is, you know, I tell these women, you guys know how it is, you know, join this and you're going to learn how to make a quilt. And I just really thought that after the month or something, I was going to have this quilt done. I had no concept of how much time, energy and all that it took. So I joined this little quilt group at Joanne's. I'm sorry to say the word, but the girl was really a wonderful quilter and she was teaching beginning blocks there. And I took that and in the way we did it, we quilted each block separately and then we sewed them all together. And the first time I washed that quilt, it all fell apart in the dryer. Oh no. But I did put it back together and it's still, I still have it. It's the ugliest quilt I've ever made, but (laughs) I still have it as a reminder that it started on a whole new journey. And so So from there, I could do sewing at home and still take care of Jen. And I just felt like it was comforting being able to hold on to that artwork that we were doing. And it was something that was warm and soft. And I needed that at that time. And little did I know that it was going to open up this whole world of friends for me. Like I often say, I was so isolated and just looking for a friend. And it gave me a community. And that's what's so important for us. And that's why it's such a huge sticking point in my business that it isn't about the sales. It isn't about, you know, getting the next customer. It's about providing that community for the people in our clubs, reaching out and 
and helping other women, you know, being there, it's, it's just more because I know how much more it was for me during that time. And, and Jennifer is doing great. So for those people who know us or know us at the trade shows, they see her every time she trained her own service dog. We had Chloe for years and we were at all the, yeah, we were at Houston. And so we're like the three musketeers. I'm telling you, when we go to trade shows, we look like the Beverly Hillbillies driving up with all of our (laughs) stuff and the wheelchair, the dog. (laughs) Wow. What a story to get you into the business of sewing, right? Yeah. So it just started. And then my daughter's best friend was having her first baby and she asked me if I would paint her a mural. It was the first mural I'd been asked to do since Jen's accident. So I did paint her a mural and for the baby shower, I made her a little applique quilt called Ladybug Gardens. It's still our very first quilt pattern. We still sell it. And I made that for her and somebody saw it and asked me if I did patterns and that's started this huge boulder going down the side of the mountain. (laughs) That is so awesome. I love how your family sort of came together to turn tragedy into something so positive and good. That is, that's quite a story. Yeah. Well, you know, and that's it. You have a choice. So we want to focus on the good things that we were left. And we're so thankful Jennifer's here. She's a miracle. And so we just, uh, she'll be with us forever. And we are just making the best of it. So what happened was my business where I was flying all over doing these murals for model homes, I just redesigned it. And I started making some patterns. We started designing quilts. I was on the fast track to learn the best way to do this. And it was just me by myself originally. And now Randy works with me and does the digitizing. But, um, and I remember the first show I went to, I did the or the spring Portland show. I did a half a booth. I think I had six patterns. That's it. And I told Randy, I don't know what we're doing, but I guess we could just jump in. And that just kind of launched it. And then we went to Houston, I think with 10, I think I look back now and thought, man, you had a lot of nerve to do that. science. <laughs> with 10 products but you know when you don't know I guess you can't you had focus you had focus (laughs) I did I did so and then there somebody saw us that was pattern uh actually a checkers rep introduced me to a pattern a fabric company and they went on looked at my art website and said oh my gosh you're an artist why aren't you designing fabric and that started that and so it's just Um, Yeah, it's just being open and willing to move. So I still do fine art, but not to the same degree. And it allowed me to stay home with Jen and give her the care she needs and just have my family here. And so over COVID, that served us well. So, you know, we were already working from home and so we could just stay hunkered in. But for my group, people in our community, like my Mugrod Club and stuff, I did weekly bingo Zoom meetings and we played bingo and I kept all these women connected because I know how it feels to be isolated. And this was another, you know, thing that was trying to isolate us all. And that was kind of scary again to see that. happen. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's quite a story. You know, there's so many women, uh, especially in, in this business, strong people, strong women that have turned what may have started as a hobby into a business. And in many cases, uh, very large thriving businesses. And it's just cool. You know, it's just such a neat 
a neat thing and everybody's story and how they got there is, is so different. And yours is, yours is uh, no different, right? That's just quite, quite the thing. So, you know, on that note, are, are there any other people in the industry, sewers, sewist business owners that, that kind of helped you along or, or just people that you admire within our industry uh, that you'd like to point out? Oh, wow. I, I have been so blown away by the kindness and the willingness to share by many, many people over the years. You know, when I was first getting into it, I was taking some art quilt classes like everybody else, learning different techniques. And those teachers at the very beginning were monumental in allowing me the freedom to do kind of whatever I wanted. And I... I'm not really a good rule follower. You can ask my husband (laughs) that and he will confirm that for you. So I love to experiment. And so I think when I saw some other women doing the same thing that I wanted to do, it was huge for me. And so I do want to tell you a quick story. My girlfriend said for my birthday, she wanted to take me on a quilting retreat and she's an engineer type. And I am a creative artist. And so she said, I'll agree to take a class with you, but you have to agree to take a class with me. So I said, okay. So I picked this art class. We were doing portraits with Laura Schwartz. I love her stuff. And she wanted to take a Spiral Lone Star class with Jan Krentz. And I tell the story a lot. And (laughs) Jan Krentz is a precision sewer to the fact that she has us count threads to make sure our quarter inch seam is exactly perfect because she would tell us if you wow. get off one thread, that spiral is going to spiral right out of control. So I would come back from those classes at night, like twitching and shaking. <laughs> stressed and, out. Yeah, stressed <laughs> out. My girlfriend was laughing because she loved it. And then when we started the art class, the reverse was happening. So she was, <laughs> I don't know how to create. I'm not creative like you. That's right. But I will tell you, I got to see Jan Krentz actually in August, but I took that class and it made me a better sewer. So even though I love the art side of quilting and the embroidery side of quilting, I love, I remember that class so well. And because of her precision, I am a better piecer because of it. I am a better. So I encourage women to step out of your box of comfort because we all get there where we know we do it good. Mm -hmm. We want to stick here because it's safe and really stretch yourself. I'm all about stretching and learning something new and different. And so stretch yourself and you're going to be pleasantly surprised as long as you're open to the experience of what you're going to take away from it. And I think we all take away from these life experiences. Oh, yeah. And and each one of these women have an amazing story that you learn about them in class. And so there are some really fabulous people out there, not only just teachers, but other business owners, Axfield Wire, Peggy and her husband. We love them. They've just been just so supportive and just some great, great people out there. When we reached out with Sulky and Sulky came and Patty would send us all kinds of information so that I could learn everything I could. So there are some fabulous companies out there and uh, people out there behind the name and it's Mm. getting to know them. That's so great. For sure. I tell people that all the time. I mean, I'm not so young anymore, but when I started this business 28 years ago, I was 
you know, a really young person starting going out to some of these shows. And I always remember my friends asking me, you know, you know, what you're, you're in what business again? I mean, like <laughs> in the sewing business, you know, it's like, yeah, you know, it's like, you know, there's full of really great people. That's one of the reasons I, I stay here. You know, it's like, I can't think of a nicer industry. There's, you know, I, I've, I've been to so many lunches and dinners with my competitors, you know, yeah, just as friends. And um, I don't know that you can say that in a, a lot of industries. It just doesn't, it doesn't exist exist that way. So yeah, it's a, it's a great group of people. It's a great group of people. And I don't want to leave anybody out, but I would be here all day if I mentioned all the people (laughs) in all these years that we've been together. Uh, Yeah, it's, uh, it's been great. And Randy can totally feel with you on that because it, 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 it's something about men sewing, but you know, now it's popular. Like you're a sewing man now, boy, the women love you. So he loves taking pictures with all the girls at the, (laughs) <laughs> I call him my booth candy at the shows because <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> so obviously we've talked about applique and some of your pattern designs. You do machine embroidery designs and patterns, but what's, what's maybe something that you've always wanted to sew and haven't yet tried sort of like your sewing bucket list. Is there something out there that you just really want to try? You mentioned you like to stretch yourself. So what's yes. was, what was something that you just haven't gotten around to doing yet? Oh my gosh. There's this, um, I, I'm so bad with name Millie Fleur or something like that. It's an English paper piecing, almost like circle. I can't, I see. I'm so bad at this. Yeah. Okay. And so it's very popular in England and a lot of people are doing it now. And so it's all handwork. And so you use these little paper piecing things and you hand stitch them together. And I would love to do that. And actually one of the book people that we have dealt with in the past that have done our patterns in their books and stuff at one of the shows, she gave me one of those books as a gift. And she said, I want to supply you with a starting place so you can do that. Because she knew I was always drooling over that stuff. Right. And I love it. Yeah. And so for me, I would love that. And, you know, I may end up painting it because (laughs) I could do that too. I could paint it and then just quilt it. Nobody would know. There you Um, go. Yeah. So that's one of the things that I I would love to do when I have more time to sit and do some of my things, but, um, very cool. What what are you sewing right now? Oh, we're getting ready for road to California. So we are working on, we have, you know, tons of stuff like you guys do all the time. So we are working on our latest patterns and I am just finishing step up for the show. Some of our table runners and things that I haven't gotten bound yet or put binding on. I'm not sure if that's the right way to say that. (laughs) And, we have some fabric lines, you know, we do fabric. And so that requires a lot of painting and artwork. So we're doing between six and eight fabric lines a year, which is crazy busy. Yeah. And our steampunk has just been really, really well received. It's just been on the top sellers. So that's done really well for us. And so we like to dress up in steampunk when we do the shows, when we release a new line. So it's just a lot of fun. And everything, nothing's dark in our world. Everything's happy. I'm all about 
the whimsy and the fun of it. If it's not fun, why do it? So the steampunk is not dark. It's very whimsical and fun and it's just gone over really well. It's just been a really fun line. So as long as that keeps going, we'll probably keep throwing in some steampunk along with our other designs that we have coming out. So that's kind of where we are right now. And we're working on another sew along. So we're doing sew alongs and the women want another one for spring. So we're working on a spring one. Fantastic. Yeah. So outside of sewing, when you're not sewing for yourself or for your business, what, what other hobbies or activities? Activities do you enjoy? Like, what, what would you be posting about on your social media, your latest thing that you enjoy? Oh, wow. Okay. So I love, you know, gardening and we love working in the yard. We have uh, hundreds of roses. We I do organic gardening. Jen and I made rose petal jam. I love to do preserves and all that kind of stuff. One year, we, we, well, we've done it several years, but we take the organic roses on the first flush and we make jam out of it. And depending on the color of the roses is what color the jam is. And it's considered a delicacy in Europe. So we covet that and then we give it out as gifts at Christmas time. And so that's kind of a fun thing that we do at the first flush of roses. We used to race horses and we raised all, when the kids were small, we raised all of our own food and organic gardening and we had, we showed horses. So I would love to ride horses again. Um, That's one of the things in my future I would like to do, even though, you know, as we get older, getting on seems a little harder, but, (laughs) but Jen and I used to, we raised horses and broke them and showed them. And so, yeah, we've done, we did that for years and years until she was hurt and actually couldn't ride anymore. So. So I haven't been on a horse since that episode. So it's been 20 years, but I would love to do that again. So, um, yeah. And then we are very active. We do a lot of things with uh, the rehab community here and they have an outdoor adventure program and that allows Jen to water ski and uh, kayak and all that. So we have just some really, really great resources available to us here. And so we try to keep busy and, and we love being outside. Because we're in Southern California now. You can do this all year. <laughs> I, yeah. Nice. Well, I'll be there next week. I'm looking forward to some yeah. sunshine and hopefully 70s. Yes, hopefully it is now. So it's beautiful. Fantastic. Well, I always sort of end this podcast with a particular question. I've, I've, I've kind of always said that, you know, as an industry, we're not selling thread and notions and fabric, uh, but but what we're really selling is sort of this this feeling of accomplishment and satisfaction that you can get only from creating. Uh, right. I'd like to ask you, do you believe that? And how has that sort of feeling manifested itself in your sewing journey? I do believe that. I believe it's not just like I said earlier, it's not about the customers or it's about the creating, the stretching yourself. I always am encouraging my students to stretch and try something new and share it. And sharing it is huge. So it's like anything else in life. If you're doing it by yourself in a room, there's no joy in that. But Mm. if, like even with gardening, the best part of gardening is sharing the bounty with your neighbors, right? Mm. That's the best part. They love to get that. Yeah. So it's the same with quilting, I think. And for me, our quilting journey is 
probably different than a lot of people's. For me, quilting brought us therapy. It it was a therapeutic journey. It was a comfort journey. It brought me a community and friends and support that I didn't have. You know, our family was real supportive. Our other kids were great, but when you can't keep up, it was hard. And so to have this whole new community surround us, that's what was important. And that's what we try to give back in our business is that support. It's, uh, it's more important to me to, I, I, I'll drop our customers notes when I find out something's happened or, you know, it's about that connection. It's, it's just not about, you know, the bottom line really. And I think that's pretty true in our world, this quilt world. Mm. And, and maybe it is because we come at it from a different angle. You know, we're not coming at it from a, this is a business. We're coming at it. It's, this is our passion. People are our passion. Creating is our passion. And so in the end, when I look back on this, I'm not going to remember how many of that kind of pattern I sold. I'm going to remember the stories of, Mm. I gave this, this was my first grandchild's quilt. I, you know, gave this to somebody who was sick. I'm going to remember all those connections I made. And then when I look back, that's what's going to give, give me the satisfaction that, that I did a good job. Wow. Yeah. I, that's, I can't think of a, a better way to, to sign off on this podcast than that. You, you, you hit the nail on the head, I think, there. I mean, with so many people in this business having come first as it being their hobby or their passion and joy, I think it does bring a whole different angle to business uh, when you start from that side of it. So thank you for sharing your story with us and thank you for agreeing to be on the podcast. Uh, I really appreciate and I've had a fun time talking to you. Yeah, I look forward to seeing you next week. Thanks so much for asking me to do it. I really enjoyed it. It was great. Yeah, you're welcome. So listeners, if you haven't yet checked out Desiree, you can find her beautiful fabric, her patterns, her embroidery designs at Desiree'sDesigns.com. You can read more about her and her her wonderful story and see all that she has to offer. Desiree, thanks again. Thanks, Jason. Okay, bye-bye. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Why So With Sulky. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast and join us again for more fun stories that are sure to inspire your creativity. You can find more info and links for today's episode at sewingonline.sulky.com. 